You're listening to The Sigrin Show, episode number 424. This is Dominique, Sigrin's content manager. Sigrin's sick today, but the show must go on, and she's prepared a great interview for you. I'm happy to introduce this week's guest, Alda Karen. Sigrin and Alda talk about how you can build your self-confidence while scaling your career. Each week, Sigrun goes live to share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for tuning in today. Building an online business takes time. Sigrun shares proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing and succeed with masterminds. Today's episode is an interview with Alda Karn. When Alda was 19 years old, she became VP of Sales and Marketing at the biggest production company in Iceland. Today, she's an international speaker, runs two companies, and has published her first book. In this episode, Sigrun and Alda talk about how you can build your self-confidence while scaling your career. But before we dive in, do you dream of landing media coverage but aren't sure which outlets to pitch to? Sigrun's friend Selena Sue is an expert in all things publicity and has just released a brand new three-part video training series on how to get featured in the media. The first video is ready for you now. Head on over to the show notes at sigrun.com forward slash 424 where you will find a link to the video and discover an extra incentive to watch, plus all the links to all the Karn. I'm so excited to be here with Alta Karen. It's weird to be here with an Icelandic person. They are a rare occasion on my podcast. Welcome to the show, Alta Karen. Thank you so much, Sarun. Very happy to be here. So we are both in Iceland currently. uh, And is that due to COVID or uh, do you spend more time here now? Uh, Due to COVID on my end, got stuck here. Yeah, I am here partly due to COVID and partly due to the fact that I bought an apartment and I would like to finish the decoration before I go off back to Switzerland. So I have two reasons to be here. And the third reason is uh, my father. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, not well in health and I like to be there for him. But you are here now, but normally you live in the United States. Yes. We want to talk about your story and how come you have two businesses, Uh, you're relatively young, you have achieved a lot more than uh, someone in your age. And at the same time, it seems like you have this unbelievable confidence that probably older and much more experienced women are jealous of. They would like to have some of your confidence. So we're going to talk about how come you have this, you're oozing of confidence and how, how other people can learn from what you have done to get there. So I want to start by asking you, uh, you uh, got a pretty senior job, uh, 19 years old. Can you talk about uh, you know, how, how that came about? Um, well, I'm not very, uh, I'm from a kind of lower middle class family. Like my dad's an electrician and my mom's a store manager. Um, and I kind of realized like pretty early on that if I wanted to do anything in life that was either entrepreneurship or just go far with my career that I would have to kind of like move to, uh, a big city, which at the time was Reykjavik, um, 
that was a big city for me at the time. Now New York is, but you know, Reykjavik, 100,000 people live there, big enough for me at the time. Um, and I got an internship. That was kind of like my first thing. And I feel like this is like an ongoing thing that I hear a lot with young women who like kind of uh, go a long way in their career pretty fast. Um, and I started as an intern, a sales intern uh, for one of the biggest production companies in Iceland, Siofilm. Um, and I just went to work. I worked as hard as I could and I sold an incredible amount of contracts and all kind of product placement stuff into TV shows and stuff like that. Um, didn't know anyone at the time, both at the company or in the city for that matter. <laughs> um, so I could kind of really focus on the work and just um, kind of do everything, like not ask specifically for permission um, I would say yes to everything at the beginning, uh, which I've been told, I was told so many times at that time that I shouldn't say yes to everything, but I continue to do it. And I kind of still do it today. I'm maybe a little bit more on the no side, no, but now, but still at that time said yes to everything. Uh, so I was doing a lot of work that I kind of shouldn't have been doing. And instead of like complaining about that, I just did more of it and more and more and more. And then the time came where the sales and marketing director, uh, quit. So, I was already doing half of his work um, and a lot of other production stuff. So they just ended up offering the position to me and I took it. Um, so it was really not a kind of, I don't know, uh, connections at the time because I was so young. I didn't have any real connections that I could, that could benefit me. So it was really just um, doing the work and being smart about it. Like, for example, I was so young and I was a woman. So whenever I would send out emails to like get meetings, people would reply to me. So what I did is I made up two employees, two male employees who I just created a email address for them. Uh, they were both men and they were my assistants. So they would send out emails to other sales directors um, around the country and be like, hey, I'm trying to book a meeting for, for my boss, Alda. Like she needs to go there or there, talk to this one. And I would get meetings like literally in three days. So it was like a lot about it's it's definitely work hard, but it's equally as important to work smart. And especially when you're a woman and you're a young woman, you have to kind of find these like practical ways to like use the weaknesses or everything that's against you for your advantage. You have to like see, oh, okay, so I'm a woman. They probably like won't want to talk to me about this. Oh, I'll just pretend to be a man, send an email, then I'll show up, you know? And it's like a whole a whole thing. So I think I was I was pretty lucky. I kind of grew up with that mindset that women have to work twice as hard. So I was like, oh, maybe I won't have to work twice as hard if I just work twice as smart. Um, so I would, you know, kind of analyze all these things around me that could be weaknesses. And I kind of turned defense into offense. But how did you get these ideas? Like you, you, you realize, okay, they might not want a meeting with me because I'm a woman and I, well, if they figure out how young you are, probably not either. Um, but then you just like, <laughs> then you just like, oh, I'll pretend that I have male assistants. Yes, I mean, I'm I'm 28 today, but I've been uh, 35 uh, with air quotes for like the past 10 years. <laughs> um, no, I just I feel like as a woman, I read a lot of autobiographies. I think that's kind of the hack I did that maybe not a lot of people realize. I read a ton of autobiographies by women, and what I love about being a woman is that other women share their stories so powerfully. So there's so many inspirational women out there sharing their stories and sharing their mistakes. And I think that's the advantage that us as women have over men, that you don't have a lot of 
autobiographies of men that they're like sharing their mistakes and what held them back. So I was reading all these autobiographies uh, by a lot of women. And I mean, the most recent one that I'm reading now is not necessarily autobiography, but it's uh, A Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. Mm -hmm. As he's telling stories of all of these incredible women and incredible things that she's doing around the world. And I'm already learning so much. Um, like there's a quote that she says, like, uh, it's equally as important as how you introduce the science as the science itself. And I related so hard to that because so many women talked about their stories in autobiographies that I learned so much of. And in one of those autobiographies, I can't remember which one, she pretended to be a man over the phone to get meetings. Like this was back in like, you know, 1950s or something in, in the US. And so I was like, oh, I can do that now. I'll just create an email address and like send out meetings. So all those smart hacks I did, I kind of learned maybe unsubconsciously on a level two by reading all these autobiographies by women and like reading their stories because you don't have to invent the wheel. And such a, like, you don't really like, even though you're creating a new career path or creating new jobs and stuff like that and, and creating a new business, there's a tons of women that have done it before you. So it would be kind of stupid not to like read all their stories and, you know, get to know what they did wrong. So you don't have to repeat their mistake. And that kind of propelled me forward a lot. Would you say that reading autobiographies replaced school or, you know, doing further education in some ways? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm a college dropout, um, but I, I believe that the education system really needs a huge overhaul. I don't believe in a system that's based on distrust, um, but I do believe in education. and I do believe in learning. And I learn every single day and I learn by reading other people's stories. And, and that's how I kind of learn best. Um, so I definitely think that uh, just constantly being open-minded and learning everything and, and listening to other people just really, really taught me a lot. I think, I think experience also is, the, I mean, that's the biggest school after all. So you basically learned how to sell by actually being in a sales job. And then you were promoted to the sales and marketing manager. And then you were only 19 years old. And how can you go, go from there? <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't have the experience. So I learned from other people's experiences and then just um, talked like them. And you know, I, I've always acted and talked in a way that I was already where I wanted to be. So I've always spoken um, kind of from a standpoint that I'm like, oh, I'm already the CEO of my own company. I'm already like long before I launched my first company. Um, so when I was around 21, I launched my first company, which was just uh, an online boutique store uh, because I saw there was a need for like dresses in Iceland. So I just, you know, flew them in and, and sold them. And then I sold that company two years later, uh, which is also just, uh, I don't know. And I really don't, you know, I imagine the person sitting, you know, at a table against me and like, is going to buy my company and I'm 23, like, I have to sound like I'm at least 35 and I've done this 10 times before, you know? So I would read all these, you know, stories and articles about businesses being sold and, you know, listen in on, on people talking about how they sold their business. And then I would literally often not like directly reference them, but I would use the same language to like sound, uh, not, not necessarily smarter, just like sound like the person I want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So like every day I think, okay, what am I doing today to make sure I'm in alignment with the person that I want to be, you know, or like whether that's like career wise or personally family doesn't matter. So it's like, 
I'm always in that mindset. I'm always thinking 10 years ahead. Like mm. if something bad happens to me tomorrow, that's nothing because that's like day two of 10 years. And I'm always in the mindset, like I'm just beginning my career. Like I've literally, I'm, I'm, I'm 28. I'm like, I have my life ahead of me. So everything I do doesn't really matter in the long-term scope of things. And I feel like that's really helped me kind of being like, I don't give a shit. You know, it's like, I don't really take myself that seriously. And I think that's helped with just constantly reminding me of the long-term vision. But still, what we do every day is essentially what creates that long-term vision. So it sounds like your mindset is, well, this is a similar phrase we use uh, in my business. Like if you want to make six figures, you need to think like a seven-figure entrepreneur. Like you need to think ahead. So that's similarly what you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and how you spend your day is how you spend your life. So it's like, even though you're always thinking, you're always acting like 10, 20 years ahead of time, what you do now is what matters. So it's like your mindset needs to be long-term and your actions need to be now. Yeah. But how did you get this idea that you would own your own business? When you say your parents didn't run a business, maybe possibly no entrepreneurs in your family to be role models, like where did you get this notion that you should become one? Yeah, well, uh, my mom ran, did, did run a children's clothing store for a little bit, but had to close down. But I think I didn't have anyone around me that was like a full on entrepreneur. Um, and I think I just I realized that when I was working at Sciofilm and I was working for other people and I just kept thinking every single day I would do this differently. I would run this business differently. I would do this differently. And, you know, there comes a point, maybe I'm just more impatient than others, but it comes a point when you're just like, I should just do this myself. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Um, and I think I, I related a lot to, uh, Steven, Steve Jobs autobiography about like, just not working for other people, like work for yourself, even though I do not agree with the, with the quote that if you're not working on your dream, you're working on someone else's dream. I don't believe in that because all the people that I work with me and my companies, we've, we've all had, uh, a bigger dream together because your dream doesn't have to be make this company gold. Your dream can be like, get this amazing experience and then go somewhere else. Like it's not it's it's personalized so i think for me it was just the freedom of being able to travel being a digital nomad uh you know giving people chances like i love like giving the people that work uh, at the tiger gummies company the vitamin company that i own now like i love giving them like master class uh courses like invest in their personal growth as in their personal career as well so I think, you know, I think we all love to give more than we love to get. And I think when you run your own business, you're giving all day long. So I think that really appealed to me. So you decided after you had sold your first business, uh, after you had been selling dresses for two years, obviously online, right? What was next for you? Uh, then I got approached by a, a new startup, a tech startup, influencer marketing startup. Um, so I became a, a part owner in that business and scaled it all the way to the United States. So that was kind of my ticket to the U.S. Once I got to the U.S., I kind of launched my own consultancy and I started doing lectures on just like mental health, um, startup, entrepreneur mind mindset stuff, um, and just overall consulting, just everything from spiritual, just like to like very practical, good advice um, that I've learned. Uh, so I'm basically sharing my experience and then I wrote a book about my experience as well. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to give back because all the stories of women who wrote books in the past gave me so much. So I'm so happy. I'm, I'm probably, this is the first of many books that I'm going to write in my lifetime. <laughs> oh, I'm convinced this is only a first, but 
I know that you also get some pushback from people to say, who are you to talk about mental health or who are you to talk about even spiritual things or even your own experience because you were so young. How did you, how did you deal with that? It's so funny. I don't really, I'm just not bothered by it um, because I believe I, I'm such a data person. Um, and I just, I believe the data. I don't believe opinions. So when it comes to my data, uh, all of my lectures that I've ever held have all been sold out. Uh, my book was a bestseller um, and the most sold book in Iceland in its first month. So it's like, um, if I shouldn't be doing it, then why am I doing so well? And it's like, I believe that you share what you learn as you learn it. And that's what I really like. I love like reading stories and talking to people who are still on their way. Like when you're, when you've, when you have like 30 years experience or 40 years experience and you're like hugely successful, like, that's great. Share your story. We can all learn from it. That's awesome. But to share your story when you're struggling, like you're struggling, you're like, oh my God, I, I fixed this problem that I have. It's so new. It's so fresh. Like everything that you're doing, you're doing it now and you're sharing it as you learn it. I think it becomes much more authentic and more real. Um, and I just, people were just constantly asking me for both advice, consulting, anything. And I just like, I mean, it kind of accidentally started my lecture career. I just, I had this huge consultancy business in Iceland. I was moving to the U.S. I, wa I didn't want any Icelandic uh, clients while I was in the U.S. because I knew I just couldn't do both. So I had this one big lecture at Harpa Lecture Hall. It was completely packed. It blew up. And... I was only going to do it once, but because it blow, blew up and like, I think hundreds of people, they couldn't come because it was just full, just like kept emailing me, texting me, messaging me. And I just, and I was like, oh, fine. Okay. I'll come back and I'll do it again. And then like four years later, I've had four lectures. So it's like insane. So it was kind of like on accident. It wasn't like supposed to be a whole thing. Like my whole, my big thing was just always to write a book. So the lectures were just like a, a happy accident that I did, but it just, it came from, a lot of hard work and a lot of just like genuine um, experience and genuine like sharing what you what you learn as you learn it. So mm -hmm. I think it's really, yeah, it's never bothered me. I don't know, maybe my my mind is wired differently, but I believe that you should share like it's your it's our responsibility as a human being to share what you learn as you learn it because it might help someone. And I'm not going to wait to learn, to share what I've learned for 10 years because some people think I'm not allowed to do that. Like, that's, that's weird. That, that would be like, I'm going to wait to be happy until I'm allowed to be happy. Like, what? That doesn't make sense for me. I love that you say that because um, there are so many women who believe they need to be a certified coach before they can help someone, they need to study more, they maybe need to get a PhD before they can actually, uh, you know lecture or do what else so and let me just give all those women permission right now like i am not i'm not educated i'm not a certified coach in anything anything and i still make uh, a lot of money each month helping people with their own just because i'm genuine and when i don't know something i don't know and then i you know i send them to someone else like it's all about we're all in this together we're all a team so it's like you're either a team player or you're not. So you have all the permissions in the world to just do what you're doing. And if I can do it, oh my God, you can do it. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So why did you not just stick to consulting if that was going so well? What was the inspiration to start a second company? Um, 
I think it was opportunity to work with amazing people. And I think that's always been like my go-to. I say it's a big yes for me if great people come up to me and like they want to start something cool, like a project or a company. Um, and I want to work with them. And I think I can learn a lot because as you say, I'm always thinking 10, 20 years ahead of time. Um, so I thought this would be a great experience and would, would teach me a lot because as you say, we're always learning. So I think that was the big thing. Yeah. I wanted to work with the people behind it. So it was a team that draw you in. And uh, can you explain what the company does? You mentioned it briefly before, Tiger Gummies, but people have possibly no idea what that is. No, it's it's a new vitamin company in the US. It's only for the United States market for now, but it's it's a kids multivitamin company. Pretty basic, but it's it's a subscription based company. So it's it's good to keep reminding parents of taking their kids making their kids take vitamin. Yeah. You were drawn to the team. What is your hope to get out of this? Like, is that learning the business model? Or like, if you're thinking already 10 years ahead, you probably will not be involved in this company. You will be probably doing something else. <laughs> no, the goal, the goal is to sell it. That was always the goal. And I think what I want to learn, I want to learn about US investing. And I have a lot of great investors behind this company that have already taught me a ton of new things. Um, and I think that's probably what I'll be doing in the future. I'll be uh, kind of joining companies and then selling them and joining again. And, and I'm good. I'm really good at getting things started and kind of blowing them up, uh, but I'm not good at running them for a long time. Uh, that's why I had to sell my first company. Like I didn't want to at the time, but I needed to do it because I just couldn't run it well. And that's what I'm always really, really, I'm really open and really straightforward about my weaknesses. Um, and I'm vulnerable and I know, like, I know my blind spots. So you have to be practical when it comes to these things. Um, so for me, it's just the same with this company, just kind of start it, blow it up and then uh, get acquired. Mm. Love it. Love it. I want to go back to, uh, you know, you talked about mental health, uh, spirituality, and you uh, wrote your first book. Uh, what would you say the right, you call it life keys? Is that the right translation to English? Yeah. Yes, yes. For me, every wall is a door. I just need to find the right key. Okay. And what are the most important keys? I think, well, in my book, it's called the Life Bible. Um, it's not out in the English yet. It'll probably be out in English uh, later this year, 2021. Uh, but I think the most popular life keys in the book that open, that open all the doors that you think are walls that are holding you back. I think the biggest one that people talk most about is that you are not your thoughts or your feelings or emotions. And I think it's in a very practical way. Like I always talk about, um, like a lot of spiritual coaches talk about this and mental health coaches who talk about, uh, like your brain and stuff like that. And I always think of him as like my roommate, he's my forever roommate and whatever I see, he sees and whatever I hear, he hears. Um, so like, I am not holding myself back in any way, but my brain is like my brain, uh, his only goal in life is to survive. Like that's the brain's only goal. Like he, he's, he's the only organ that knows he's an organ, uh, but he's, he only has this one goal, that's to survive. So if you look at this very practically, like your goal in life is to like live to the fullest or like enjoy yourself, be happy, grow. Like your big goal in life is just to grow as a human being, mm. but you can't grow if you're constantly trying to stay safe and survive. So like, this is where you and your brain kind of clash. Like, that's why he doesn't want to get out of his comfort zone because he wants to preserve energy. And like, in case there's like a, a tiger, you know, behind that 
cupboard or whatever. Like he always wants to preserve energy and like really keep you alive, but you want to live. So you have to kind of like think of your thoughts and your emotions. Like, oh, is this coming from me right now? Or is this, is this coming from my brain? So whenever I'm scared, like uh, whenever I don't feel confident, I'm like, oh shit, I can't do this. I'm like, whoa, that's coming from my brain. Okay, you know, I'm going to cite that. And then I'm going to do whatever I can to prepare. And like, you know, uh, what do I do if the worst thing happens? What do I do if the best thing happens? And then I do all these like practical other ways uh, to kind of lower the volume in the brain. But it's like very, very important to know. And it's a very good key to have that like, whenever you're talking against yourself or you're like kind of tearing yourself down, that's not you, that's your brain. So you have to kind of learn how to talk with your brain and kind of sit down with it, journal, um, do visualizations, like the brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So you have to kind of like learn how to live with your forever roommate and he won't hold you back. Is that the most important key or are there multiple keys? There are multiple keys. Um, I mean, we have a very good one. That's the roadmap of the emotions. So basically your emotions, like when you feel the most, when you feel most angry or most upset, your emotion is like in the middle of your brain, like right in the middle here, like it comes up through your your spine and then you kind of figure out your emotions in your frontal lobe so whenever you feel the most they're kind of stuck in the middle of your brain and you're like they're you know feeding all the neurotransmitters and you really want to hit something or scream you just have to wait and give the emotion like you know that's where like the term sleep on it comes from you're like you have to give the emotions time to reach your frontal lobe so you can accurately work through them mm-hmm. and I mean, then we have like vulnerability. That's like one of the one of the big ones too. Uh, to be completely vulnerable is is one of the bravest thing you can do. Um, and like Brene Brown says, um, you are enough. I think that's that's been like I think that's one like what I'm most known for in Iceland right now is you are enough. They kind of picked that up and and made that a, a whole thing. And I think that's a very thing. That's a big thing that I've done for a very long time. And that's helped me with like imposter syndrome and confidence. Like I've told myself I am enough for. Uh, in eight nine nine years now nine years I've said I am enough uh, to myself every single day and I just show up as I am and I do my best and I think that's maybe that's what I've what's gotten like the biggest advantage for me that's maybe the what I've done differently than a lot of other people I've Mm -hmm. just constantly reminded myself I am enough and now I have such a very strong like unbreakable foundation in my mental health just it's just based on this sentence I am enough so like everything I do with a day is a bonus because I'm already enough like I'm like I don't need anything like I want to do this and I decide to do that but I don't need to do it so I feel like that gives me a lot of power and a lot of freedom too. this just small sentence there was a moment when I was like a teenager where I I think I heard the sentence first with Brene Brown I'm not entirely sure but I wrote it on like little post-it notes and I would like put it on the steering wheel of my car and I would put it on my computer and I would put it on like my desk and stuff like that and I would just constantly be reminding myself that I am enough as I am like there's like you know there's a an incredible chance of being born already like your life is a gift so you have to treat it like it is um so I think that's helped me a lot uh, and giving me a lot of confidence. And I have I have a couple of keys in the book about how you can create confidence, like, you know, power poses, all the, the practical stuff. Um, and also just really abstract ideas as well. Like think of, your se- of yourself and your life in like abstract ways. Like who's going to tell you that this is not a computer simulation? Like who's going to tell you that you can just program success into your mind? Like I do believe that we have programs running in our minds. Like 
you either have um, a mindset that's a victimized mindset that like everything is against you and you're such a victim or you have like a growing learner student mindset that you're just constantly growing like what is this teaching me like you always have a choice and you always have like the power to choose uh, and the power to kind of reprogram your mind a bit. And I really like that. And I'm constantly reprogramming myself and like just observing myself and my reactions and, and especially thoughts and emotions, because that's the guy I need to reprogram the most. That's my brain. Yeah. How did you come up with all these keys? Well, my short experience, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just very observant. I really, I write everything down. I've been journaling for years, but I think I'm just really observant of myself. Um, And I think self-awareness is one of the biggest things you can do to propel your career. Um, Just knowing yourself really well, because not a lot of people do it. I feel like we don't really like, when is the last time you sat down with yourself in a room and you were just alone with your thoughts, like no phone, no distractions. Like we don't really do that anymore. Um, But we used to do that a lot. So I think a lot of people have started meditating, which is great. That's a that's a really b- good tool that I use a lot. But really just knowing oneself, I think self-awareness can get you ahead. Mm. And did you then start to see some patterns, like something that was stopping you, like there was a door and you needed a key to get through it? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, my biggest doors have been like, I'm not smart enough. Um, I'm not cute enough. I don't speak well enough. I mean, I'm a public speaker and I don't think I speak well. Like that was a huge store I had to go through. Um, so I had to kind of unlearn that. That was something that was just a, a negative belief that I had, a, like a negative core belief that I had about myself from a very young age. Don't know where it came from. Don't care. But I just, I needed to unlearn it. Mm. Um, so that was like what I, what I did. So it, it's kind of like you can't open doors that you don't know about and you can't like, you can't get through walls that you don't know about. So like the most dangerous thing when it comes to mental health is not knowing what's holding you back. So that's where self-awareness comes in. Like what's holding you back and you don't know about it. That's where you need to sit alone in a room and really think about your life and like how you've reacted to your life so far. Mm. Oh, I think that's a juicy nugget for everyone who's listening. If you hit a wall, just sit down and figure out what, what that wall is. So, and then you can find the key. And you can find the key by reading your book. If you can read Icelandic, maybe you need to come back uh, when it's out in English, then you'll come back on the podcast or maybe on my YouTube show. Uh, We can then promote the the book with you because I think everything you've shared here today, uh, women at any age need to hear it. And I actually think the older women, the more experienced, the more educated they are, there are more issues. And somehow maybe that comes from the education or the experience that there are more troubles (laughs) <laughs> the smarter you are, the more issues come up. Why do you think I never finished college? I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to stay where you right are. Alta, it's been uh, fantastic to talk to you. Uh, definitely want to invite you back when your English version is out uh, with a life Bible. I think that would be named, right? Yes, that's yeah. the name we're going with. That's the name you're going with. Very Thank humble. you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> you're oozing of confidence. And I think that's very helpful for other people to see. There's no reason because we are enough. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Go to the show notes at sydney.com forward slash 424, where you will find the link to watch the video of Selena Sue, plus all the links to all the Karn. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let Sigrun know that you listened by tagging her in your Insta story or your Instagram post using her handle at sigrun.com 
and the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.